When one conjures up an image of the escape to Shanghai during World War II, the thoughts and personalities that come to mind is the long lines in Kavna outside Chiyuni Sigihara's uh, consul, Japanese consul, where the Mir Yeshiva, the Amshan of Rebbe, Dr. Zarach Varhaftig, many others, families, um, Polish Jewish refugees, Lithuanian Jewish refugees, attempt to escape um, to Shanghai, they don't know to Shanghai, to Japan, where they eventually end up in Shanghai and live out the war. Well, that's the famous story, and even as famous as it is, there's still many details that need to be filled in, perhaps for another time. But today... I want to discuss a less famous story, but um, no less important, perhaps even more in certain ways. And we're going to talk about a different escape to Shanghai through the Chinese consul in Vienna, uh, Feng Shenho. This is Yehuda Geber with Jewish History Soundbites, with another uh, Jewish History podcast. And the story of Feng Shenho, and some sources he's described in a different order, Shen Feng Ho, and I'm not really sure what the correct one is, but Yad Vashem calls him Feng Shenho, so that's good enough for me. And he saves Jews in Vienna. He's the Chinese consul. And there's a lot of significant differences between the story of Chiyuni Sugihara and Kovna giving visas to thousands of Jews to Japan, transit visas to Japan, where they eventually end up in Shanghai. Um, and the story of Feng Shanho, um, the Chinese consul in Vienna, giving visas to Austrian Jews, Viennese Jews, uh, directly to Shanghai. There's quite a few differences, some small, some big, some, some significant, some less so. And over the course of the podcast, I'll point uh, many of them out, um, just to bring out the story of this very not well-known personality. He grew up in China, Feng Shenho. He's orphaned at a young age, a poor family, not really destined for greatness. And I also always emphasize when relating his story that um, China in his day did not have a Brooklyn-sized Jewish community. In other words, he did not know Jews growing up. He was not acquainted with them. He did go to university in Munich where he got his doctorate. And later when he was in Vienna, he definitely encountered Jews. He had exposure to Jews, but there was only uh, in his adult life. He definitely did not grow up in um, in a place like Warsaw of then or like of Brooklyn of today where his friends would have been Jews, his school friends. That never happened. So he he did not know Jews growing up. And he later on said that he did it completely for humanitarian reasons um, because they were human beings. And he joins the diplomatic corps of, of China and he becomes eventually the consul general in Vienna. Now, Vienna has a sizable Jewish community. Uh, close to 200,000 Jews in all of Austria, mostly in Vienna. And many of them are actually not native Viennese Jews. Many of them are Galician or Polish Jews who had run there during World War One. Vienna was the capital of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, where Galicia was a uh, part of before World War One, And many of them 
uh, ran and escaped to Vienna, including many big Rebbes, and most of the Rebbes of the Rizian dynasty, uh, Rebbeyan, Sadiger, Chartkov, and so on, they had escaped to Vienna and settled down in Vienna after World War One. In fact, when the Anschluss took place, the unification between uh, Germany and Austria, when Austria on March 12, 1938, became part of Hitler's German Reich, um, and one of the first acts that the Nazi authorities did was that they required Vienna Jewish leaders to clean the streets on their hands and knees with little brushes, with onlookers jeering at them and cursing them and throwing things at them. Very disgraceful and humiliating and terrible uh, occurrence that took place. One of those who was required to do that and was one of the Jewish leaders. It was Jewish leaders of all types, you know, intellectual leaders, political leaders, and religious leaders. And one of them was the Sadiger Rebbe. And as he's on his knees in the streets of Vienna, cleaning the streets, being disgraced in such a terrible fashion, he turns his eyes to heaven and he says, Hashem, if you take me out of here, I promise that I will clean your streets of Eretz Yisrael. And he did get out. He was able to make it to Eretz Yisrael. The Sadiger Rebbe sets up uh, his home and his chatzar in Tel Aviv. And he would carry out his promise. And on the streets of Tel Aviv, in front of his house, he would, uh, I think it was Achar Ha'am, if I'm not mistaken, maybe that was the Belzer Rebbe, it could be a mixing up. And he would, on the street in front of his house in Tel Aviv, he would sweep uh, a couple of times a week. And in fact, it became a, quite a spectacle in Tel Aviv in those days. And many people would come out to see this incredible uh, scene of a great and elderly Rebbe, Hasidic Rebbe, cleaning and sweeping the street of Tel Aviv to clean the streets of Hashem in Eretz Yisrael. So eventually he stopped it when the crowds became too big and it became too much of a, of a tourist attraction. So he stopped. But for quite a bit of time, the Sadiger Rebbe would do that in Tel Aviv. In any event, getting back to Feng Shen Ho, so he is the consul general in Vienna during when the Anschluss takes place, takes place in, and it be, starts to become dangerous. It's March 1938 becomes dangerous for Jews in Vienna. Decrees, the Nuremberg laws are implemented. It becomes harder and harder for Jews to live in Austria. There's an Aryanization of Jewish businesses that the Nazis are seizing Jewish businesses. They're limited where they can go and what they can do. Of course, in November of that year, it becomes even worse. On November 9th, 1938, is Kristallnacht. And the same way it takes place in Germany. It's in Austria. It's all the same at this point. Schuls are blown up, burned down, destroyed. Businesses are smashed, ransacked. Thousands of Jews are arrested and they're sent to concentration camps just for being Jews, right? This is the first time after Kristallnacht that Jews are sent to concentration camps just for being Jews. Concentration camps had always been around in Nazi Germany. Dachau, next to Munich, had been set up in March 1933, a little over a month after Hitler comes to power, but it had been used for political opponents, mainly non-Jewish political opponents, and even if Jews had been arrested, it had been because they were Jewish communists or Jewish social democrats or Jewish... Uh, meaning they were not arrested as Jews, they were arrested as political opponents. The concentration camps served at the time as large prisons, and they were not specifically for Jews. And here after Kristallnacht, Jews are arrested for the first time just for being Jews. And many of them are given ultimatums. 
and uh, they're only able to, they're told that they're not going to be able to leave these concentration camps unless they show that they're going to leave the country. The Nazis had an interest in, um, in the Jews leaving. They wanted them all to be gone. They wanted to be Judenrein. They had not yet implemented the final solution. This is yet before World War II breaks out even. This is an earlier stage, and they wanted them out. And if they would show that they have a visa or immigration certificate to another country, they would allow them to leave. But if they wouldn't, they would be stuck in the concentration camp after Kristallnacht. So all this is taking place, and both before Kristallnacht and especially after Kristallnacht, Jews are desperate to leave, and refugees are lining up the lines, long lines, in Vienna, consuls and embassies of all the countries of the world, looking desperately for ways to get out. Most countries in the world are not willing to accept any refugees. The United States had very strict immigration quotas after the Johnson Act had been passed in U.S. Congress in 1925, and they were not willing to relax them. Most countries were not willing to accept visas. Australia, uh, there was a conference, excuse me, there was a conference called the Evian Conference in July 1938, before Kristallnacht. It could be that the results of the Evian Conference, one would optimistically speculate that the results of the Evian Conference would have been different had it taken place after Kristallnacht. But in the event that it took place before, it was in July of 1938, 32 countries attended the conference to decide what to do about receiving refugees from Nazi Germany, specifically Jewish refugees. And 31 out of the 32 were not willing to accept any more refugees. The Australia's delegate, like I said, started saying uh, to, to the conference, to the Avian conference, said um, Australia doesn't have any racial problem that Germany has. So why should we import a racial problem? In other words, he agrees that the Jews are a racial problem and he doesn't want to take it in. The only country that did at that time, by the way, was the Dominican Republic which is an interesting story in itself. So Feng Shen Ho decides to, to start taking in uh, 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 these refugees and get, providing them with visas. Now he's the Chinese consul. China's in a very precarious, precarious situation at this point. They're trying to forge better diplomatic ties with Germany and with other countries because they're in, under a, an invasion of the area of China called Manchuria. Hope I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, by Japan, and uh, they have been invaded by Japan, and they were fighting for diplomatic legitimacy in other countries. And Japan was getting closer ties with Germany, so China was really in a fragile and delicate diplomatic situation. And uh, Feng Shanho decides to go at this point to give visas to Jewish refugees in Vienna, and he starts to distribute visas even before Kristallnacht in the hundreds and later in the thousands. We don't even know how many thousands he gives out. He gives it out purely, like he said, he himself said he was motivated by humanitarian reasons. He sees the people outside. He doesn't know them personally. He doesn't have that much exposure to, to Jews and the Jewish community. A little bit he did have. He knew a few of them personally. There are some stories of his relationships with Jews before when he arrived in Vienna. In any event, he gives these visas. His uh, superior was the Chinese ambassador to Berlin, Chen Ji, a fellow by the name of Chen Ji. And Chen Ji tells him to desist from giving visas. Why? Because it's a delicate situation with Nazi Germany. He's trying to work on ties in Berlin with Nazi Germany. 
if they start saying, hey, we're going to save all these Jews who are desperate because Nazi Germany is so terrible, we're going to take them all in and we're going to save them, it's not exactly going to uh, make better ties. Although Nazi Germany did want the Jews to leave, but it has to be done in the right way. And therefore he orders them to uh, stop giving visas. He goes directly against the orders of his superior and he continues giving them. And he gives thousands of them. Now, he gives them to get into Shanghai. Shanghai at the time was an open city. You did not need a visa to get into Shanghai. So why does he give visas to Shanghai? Because um, he, he, um, he believes that it would help them leave Nazi Germany, even if they're not planning on going to China, which it did. And many of them ended up in other countries. Many of them end up in Shanghai. And he gave out several thousand visas. Um, many of them just needed a piece of paper to show the authorities at the, SS, at the concentration camps, that they have a way out, they have a visa, they have an immigration certificate, and it was simply an exit to get out of a concentration camp, and he was saving them from the clutches of the SS in the camps to be able to get out. He continues giving visas till 1940 when he is removed from his post, and he uh, moves on. He eventually served a long diplomatic career. He received a demerit in his record, um, but nothing more than that. He settled down in San Francisco. He dies at the age of 96 in San Francisco, unrecognized. He's only awarded after his death, posthumously, by Yad Vashem as a righteous among the nations. Um, he did not receive any award during his lifetime, was not recognized, was unknown until today is, is uh, to a certain extent uh, unknown. So a few things about his, his heroics is that this is one main difference um, between him and the Sugihara story, while not taking anything away from the Sugihara story um, in Kavana. First of all, it's earlier. It's a couple of years earlier. He's doing this in 1938. Sugihara was in the summer of 1940. Sugihara was giving transit visas to Japan. And then the Japanese government, several months later, decides to dump the refugees in Shanghai. Whereas um, Feng Shanho was giving visas directly to Shanghai, and he was not representing the Japanese government, he was representing the Chinese. Those are all small, technical, bureaucratic differences, but there's a major difference here. Shioni Sugihara was never working under, the, was never working in a consul in a country that was controlled by the Nazis. He was working first Lithuania, where he was, in Kovna. Lithuania was an independent country. Later on, the Soviet Union takes over, and he's working under the Soviet Union, who after a few weeks in August of 1940, eventually shuts down his consul and tells him to leave the country. So he's working under the Soviet Union. None of the Jews who Sugihara saved were under direct threat of the Nazis at the time. In retrospect, a few years later, when they're in Shanghai, and they hear that the Nazis are carrying out a final solution, and their families and friends and neighbors back home are all being wiped out by the Nazi SS Einsatzgruppen, killer squads, and they were saved because they ended up in Shanghai. So in retrospect, it came out that they were saved from the Nazis' clutches because of Sugihara's visas. But at the time, anyone who took a Sugihara visa was running away from the communist Soviet Russians and the threat that they had to religion to yeshivas, that's why the Mir Yeshiva takes the visas. That's the story, and Sugihara is working under, under the, under a, he's working as a consul in a, in a country that's controlled by the Soviet Union. 
It's very different with Feng Shen Ho. The Jews there are under direct Nazi occupation. Many of them are in concentration camps already. Many of the, much of the time that he's giving out these, um, these visas, it's, uh, it's, it's already after Kristallnacht. The Jews are under direct threat. He's working under a country, in a country that's under Nazi occupation, under places where there's Gestapo, where there's an SS. The danger is different. The threat is different. Um, the Jews are under a different danger. And he's getting them out directly to Shanghai, not in, as a transit visa, but as a place where, that they could actually settle down. And that's a, a very heroic act. It changes the whole story. It also changes the Sugihara story once it's emphasized that the Jews who are applying for the Sugihara visas were not running away from the Nazis. They were running away from the communist Soviet Russians, which is a story in itself. And when uh, I'll get a chance to talk about the Sugihara story, that point will be emphasized again and again. Um, but in Feng Shangho, they're actually running away from the Nazis. These Austrian Viennese Jews, many of them with a Galiziana background, secular, religious, families, individuals, end up, many of them, in Shanghai. And they form an Austrian Jewish community, a German-speaking Jewish community in Shanghai as refugees, way before the Polish Jews arrive a year and a half later, almost two years later, from uh, Kovna from Lithuania through Russia for, through Japan and they end up in Shanghai only in 1941 so there's already an established German speaking Jewish community of Austrian Jews when the Mir Yeshiva and all the other ones arrive two years later that's also makes a whole different dynamic of the Jewish community in Shanghai you have the old Russian Jews in Shanghai who had come after the Russian Revolution and the pogroms in the early 1900s you have the old Sephardi Jews who had come um, when the British Empire controlled Shanghai in the 1800s. You have the Austrian, German-speaking Jewish refugees who had come in 1938, 1939. And then finally, the fourth stage of the Jewish community in Shanghai is finished off when the Mir Yeshiva, the Amshinova Rebbe, and the thousands of other Polish Jewish refugees arrived from the Sugihara visas in 1941. So it's a really a very interesting dynamic of the Jewish community in Shanghai. And I'll end off with a personal story. My wife's grandmother was a part of a Galiziana Jewish family that had escaped from Galicia to Vienna after World War I. She's born in Vienna from a traditional Jewish home. And uh, she went to gymnasium. They spoke German at home. Uh, traditional somewhat religious, somewhat not. And uh, her father's arrested and sent to a concentration camp after Kristallnacht. And she and her mother and her brother are desperate. How are they going to get out? And most consuls have no answer for them. They go from consul to consul. I saw a testimony recently from someone else who said he had tried the doors, knocking on the doors of 50 consuls in Vienna, and the only one who gave him a visa was Feng Shanho. So a similar thing happened to my wife's grandmother's family. She and her, her mother, wife's great-grandmother, they finally arrive at Feng Shengho, gives them a visa. Her father is released from a concentration camp based on the fact that they're going to leave the country. They go to Shanghai. They settle down in Shanghai. She goes to school there. They remain there for eight years, from 1938 to 1947, close to nine years. Um, they're in Shanghai. She goes to school there. They settle down there. Her father finds a job there. They're part of the Austrian, German-speaking Jewish community, which, by the way, was very active. They had newspapers. They had schools. The German-speaking Jewish community was quite active and quite large. Thousands of people in Shanghai during the war years. 
she herself eventually gets set up with a boy from the Mir Yeshiva in Shanghai. The two of them get married in Shanghai, and she used to say in her later years that only a world war could bring a Polish-Jewish refugee from a little shtetl near Bialystok, and her from a Galiziana background living in Vienna, to meet in Shanghai on the other side of the world and get married and start a family. And I look at today, at just my wife's family, my own children, and her siblings' children, and her cousin and their cousins and their children from one visa that Feng Shen Ho, Ho gave. There are hundreds of descendants, and if we multiply that by several thousand visas that he gave, what one person was capable of doing and saving is really an incredible story. This was Yehudi Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at ygebss at gmail.com for questions, comments, sources, and to visit these places and hear about these people. You could subscribe now to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Don't miss an episode. You can also follow Jewish History Soundbites on Twitter at jsoundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.